starting the fourth year of the Montpelier Happy Hour. We are so glad you're here and welcome to 2022. This is Emily. This is all newness here today in this show. So glad you can be here. And if you're new to the show, this is where we talk about how things in Montpelier shake out for the rest of us. You can hear us on WVEW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station, as well as see us on BCTV, Emily's YouTube channel. Find us wherever you find your podcasts and our Captivate channel. So welcome 2022. Welcome new legislative session. Welcome Emily Kornheiser. So glad you're here. So glad to be here, Olga. And we have fresh snow outside, I think even in most of the state today, but definitely here at my house. It is beautiful and fluffy. We have a new legislative session. We have a new calendar year. And we have our fourth season of the Montpelier Happy Hour, which feels just wild and beautiful. And I am so grateful for all of the episodes. We have been recording every single week. We have have been on such a journey together. So thank you. Thank you for all the time and attention and curiosity and fun and all of the episodes. Thank you, Emily. Um, And technical prowess. Thank you for the technical (laughs) prowess, Olga, as the person who does all of the technical. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Talking about technical things, my computer decided to freeze like right before I was supposed to hop on the show with you. And I was thinking about the conversation we had. I think I was still at the radio station. We were. We were just going to come on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. For that show, for Green Mountain Mornings. And we were both like, oh boy, we love these conversations. We really wish there was more deep dives into what's happening in Montpelier and what it means for everyone. And it was just kind of this offhanded conversation. And and I said, well, one, one thing about that is someone would need to keep showing up for it. And you were like, I'd do that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you realize what you were getting yourself into? (laughs) I did. I remember thinking how incredible it would be to have a regular check-in with you, but just on Green Mountain mornings. Like I was thinking I would come like once a week for like a long 15 minutes together, right? Like that we were just going to have a regular thing of checking in. Yeah. No, I think one of the things that's extraordinary about both of us is that we say yes. Mm-hmm. And this is the product of that saying yes. So thanks. We have, I think we've both learned a lot through this. I know I have. I definitely have. And I, I hope listeners have too. I hope listeners are having as much fun as we are. I have a friend who um, lives in Guilford, actually, who just found out about the podcast. You can't get the radio station in Guilford. Right. And he apparently spent like the whole weekend last weekend chopping wood outside and listening to just like back episodes of the podcast from starting with like the January of the pan right before the pandemic started oh my God. and just like apparently just like screaming with joy about it according to his wife so <laughs> like from the woods while he was chopping this is like <laughs> chopping motion like I anyway but yes I held my axe wrong and folks who are watching, apologies, but it's <laughs> morning here on the happy hour. Well, please tell your friend that thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love making these things and I love, and I love when people love it too. So that is just a blessing for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy. I'm getting all weepy. <laughs> Since we are here to talk about Montpelier, 
Indeed. It was a big week for the, the legislature this week because I think in some ways the opening week and the closing weeks are always kind of big deals. So tell us. You see, okay, I see the look on your face, listeners. Emily has a thoughtful look on her face. And it's, it's a big deal because I've been thinking a lot about democracy lately and the health of our democracy. And the opening session was so interesting for me, at least the state of the state, because we're still in a pandemic. As far as I know, everyone was remote, including the governor. So you didn't get the normal like room noise when the governor gives his state of the state address of maybe applause or laughter or whatever. Never. (laughs) It felt big because we are working in kind of unusual times and yet a little bit empty because everyone was so dispersed. Yeah. I don't know. Are you... So I was writing my um, something, I was writing something, I don't know if it was like for social media or the beginning of my newsletter for this week or whatever, but, and I was going to write, and the session started with a whimper, but I, that felt like too much of a bummer. And you know, <laughs> It kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I packed up my car and I like gathered my paperwork and got all my suits and I, and you know, a lot of my colleagues did that too. And we all showed up at the state house and we found the new coat room and we all gathered in the chamber and then we voted to go remote and we all went home and we were really encouraged. And we all knew we were going to do that. It wasn't a surprise that we were going to, you know, vote to go remote. I mean, very little happens on the house floor that isn't planned in advance, but certainly a vote of that magnitude would be known in advance. And so we all knew that was going to happen. And yet we were really encouraged not to stay and linger in the building. Mm. Very strongly encouraged not to stay and linger in the building because, I mean, the whole reason we're going remote is because of health concerns, right? Right. But it was, we all just filed in and packed in together and voted. And then we all just like ran off and dispersed and went home. And it was, yeah, it was a bummer. And then we were, some committees met that afternoon. So people had to like rush home to their computers to be on their computers in time to have an afternoon meeting. My committee didn't meet until the next day, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But then we were just like back in the Zoom rooms doing the same old thing. And, you know, you we've talked before and about how just the lack of texture and context for Zoom makes everything feel sort of the same as everything else. And it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's hard mm-hmm. to cement the information. So yeah, that was like a little bit of a bummer. I'm grateful that we're, you know, valuing our safety and the safety of our communities. You know, we all took, we found enough rapid tests that we could all take rapid tests before we went to the state house and gathered because there's really no way to make the building very safe. It's a really old building and that it's had, had really good air circulation, but that meant it was cold all the time. And so it had like some, you know, heating rehab stuff done, which, you know, the last say 20, this is so technical, I'm sorry, but the last like, you know, 20 years of heating technology and insulation technology didn't take into account airflow really very well. It's really only been the last five years that people have thought about like the thermal planes and how important airflow is. And that's like why so many Vermont houses now mold build up and whatever, whatever. So anyway, the building, not so good for the COVID. And so we all took tests before we arrived. But none of us, there weren't enough tests available for us all to take tests again, like before we head back to our communities. Mm. And so we don't, 
you know, certainly don't want to all be vectors spreading Omicron around the state, though, at this point, I mean, it's spreading all around the state. Really more importantly for democracy, which is what we're here to talk about. We're really not here to talk about my own health. We know that there are regularly going to be members of the legislature who either have COVID themselves or who have our close contacts and need to quarantine or isolate or just be sick. And we don't have a mechanism for those folks to vote unless we're all remote. We know how to vote all together and we know how to vote entirely remotely, but we really don't have a good system for doing a hybrid. And it's really hard to come to political consensus around what a hybrid would be because there's so much, there's so much iffy business in there. Right. Right. And that's like, you know, people miss work, whatever, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Except when someone's not able to vote in the legislature, that means that all of their constituents aren't represented. Right. One colleague whose kid has COVID means that all 12,000, 4,000, all 4,000. Brattleboro is 12,000. Mm-hmm. The district is 4,000. All 4,000 of their folks can't, like, right. aren't represented. And so that's like really impactful. And so ideally, we are spending the next two weeks figuring out something to do about that problem. Interesting. And we will all come back together in two weeks in the real life where democracy works out a little bit better than mm-hmm. this silly Zoom land. So that's the plan for the whimper. In the context of all of that, we policy-wise have the pandemic to deal with and policy-wise have like a whole lot of other stuff to deal with, including the fact that we have so much more money than we've ever had before. And so we have opportunities to transform Vermont. And so lots of big, lots of big intentions and excitement for the legislative session ahead. I want to talk about the money to transform Vermont, but I want to segue because while you were talking, my little feng shui brain went on. And talking about the state house and, and airflow and all those things. For you as a as a lawmaker, this goes to a sense of place. Like when I walk into the state house, there are pictures on the wall and, and of the people who came before. Mm. Some of whom I like, some whom I don't. So I have definite opinions. But walking into the state house means something. It is a building with presence. It may be a small state house, but like when you walk in there, you're like, yes, this is the people's work. And that sense of history, that sense of camaraderie, that sense of work, that sense of democracy is really, I think, powerful inside that building. For you as a lawmaker who's now spent, what, how many sessions now? Two years? I've spent, actually, so fun. I have spent at this moment today, I think exactly the same amount of time remote legislating as I did in person legislating. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's another milestone for today's show. Oh. Has that changed? Have you? <laughs> okay. Let's, let's let that sink in, Emily. <laughs> Uh, okay. And like, I don't, you know, I'm sure that if I was a nurse or a teacher or a gross, someone who works at a grocery store, listening to me talk like this, I would be yelling at my radio. And so I just want to say, I am so sorry if you were yelling at your radio. I absolutely don't understand how hard it's been to go to work in the real life every day, though I have had times when I had my other job at youth services where I was going to work in real life every day, all masked up before Mm -hmm. there were vaccines, after there were vaccines, all those things. I 
I have huge compassion and appreciation for the incredible, terrifying and stressful journey that was. And this is also a super weird, stressful journey, just in a much flatter way. Yes. Yes. So not being in that building though. Yeah. You've talked about being cut off from your colleagues and what that means for Mm -hmm. democracy, but do you feel you think about democracy differently or you are legislating differently? You're seeing things differently, being in a different space? Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, the awe of the building, the respect of sitting that really comes like into my body from sitting inside of history, which is what sitting in that building is. Mm -hmm. And some of that I resent the heck out of. (laughs) Am I allowed to say the other word on the radio? I think so. Okay. I know there's, you know, really weird archaic rules, but so anyway, the chairs in the house chamber are designed for men and my feet don't touch the floor in them. Mm -hmm. I think I've said that before. Right. And the portraits of the angry old white men glaring at me from every corner is really like emotionally overwhelming sometimes if I'm able to take it in. But there's also just like really every day I look up and I'm really in awe that like I have been selected by my constituents to be there, that all of the other people in the room have also been selected by their constituents to be there. And there's something in the building and sitting in the history that helps me remember that in my body Mm -hmm. and that helps I think each of us remember that in our bodies. I don't think it's just me. I think, you know, talking about somatic feng shui might be like something that a rep from Rattleboro might do more than like a rep from Newport. But I think that doesn't mean that we don't all actually experience it. It's just we have different words for it. So that's really impactful, both in terms of how we treat each other and on just like a very basic human level and think about sort of partisan politics and manners and curiosity. But also how we consider each other's opinions on a deep level. Yeah. When we are in the building, it very much transcends each of our own opinions and very much feels like the perspective of wherever someone's legislating from. That feels much more real Mm. when we're there in real life. The other thing that is very felt bodily amidst the velvet and the crystal and the really uncomfortable chairs, this chair is much more comfortable, is... The arc of history, and you and I, arc of history, definitely like Montpelier happy hour theme, but knowing that like often the argument that we're having or the issue that we're pushing or whatever we're grappling with has been grappled with for decades. And that like the dust of those decades is like actually on the table. And that brings some really valuable perspective to doing good work sometimes. Also sometimes bad work, but um, yeah. So there's that, the buildingness. And then the other thing is just less about the building or not the building and more about the pandemic. I don't get to see my constituents as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm No, I did like a lot of wandering about hanging out in public. Yeah. And I don't anymore. So I don't get to have those like casual, quick, how are you doing? Oh my God, I just thought of this when I saw you. Can you do something about it stuff? People need to actively seek me out now. And I don't like that. Yeah. Well, it's so fascinating. I think that's one of the ironies of this pandemic is that I think about my experience in the state house as a reporter. You know, there were times I sat in the ga- the reporters gallery that sits in the I don't know if they call it the gallery or the bleachers above the house. And mm-hmm. you can look down on on gallery. everyone. Yep, yeah, the gallery. 
it's an amazing view because you feel you're taking in everything. And it, it feels like you're putting your arms around Vermont's democracy itself. It's really wonderful. And I feel so honored when I, the times I got to, to sit up there as a reporter. But I also had one experience when Mike Hebert was still the rep for Vernon and Guilford. I went to one of the opening sessions and he says, oh, my colleague who usually sits next to me isn't here. So come sit with me on the floor. And so then I sat for the state of the state, like on the floor and just hearing the different reps making their comments during the the speech and everything. It was an entirely different experience and it was fascinating. I loved it so much. And here's the thing that kind of goes to your comment about folks who have been going through this pandemic, who are going to grocery stores and working all day or they're in the medical profession and they're working all day, like literally in the trenches. And, and the irony is as humans, I think our, our position in a place, in an environment, in a system really shapes our experience of it and our understanding of it. And just like those two different seats I was sitting in, in the, in the chamber. And the irony is for me, at least, for us to really make some of the changes I think we are capable of making in response to this pandemic really require that we change our perspective on so many things. And yet to slow the pandemic, we've had to isolate. Mm -hmm. I think it's this weird juxtaposition between needing to make connection. So we have a better understanding of what people are experiencing and yet to protect each other, we need to not make a connection in space. That is so wise. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. All of those things. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really extraordinary actually. And I find that because the ways of connecting now require such intentionality Mm. and sometimes even conversations like really trusting conversations about safety, it cements our exist, cements and deepens our existing relationships and makes it much harder to enter into new relationships or to have develop stronger relationships with sort of acquaintance circles, Mm. um, which is true amongst my legislative colleagues, just as much as it's true sort of socially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing, which is, you know, speaking of the state of the state and the feeling of being in the chamber for that, it is really hard to be attentive on Zoom. It's really hard to pay the same level of attention because there's no texture to pay attention to. And I can know that about myself. And maybe if you're a certain type of person listening right now, you're like, well, if you know it's hard to pay attention, then pay attention harder. But like, there's only so hard you can work. And so (laughs) it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to pay attention when things get like a little bit boring, when drifts off a little more easily. Mm -hmm. Because the texture doesn't bring you back or hold you in. And and there's also no one sitting next to you going, hey, hey. (laughs) No, there's no elbow. There's no one to notice if you're like doing something on your phone. So that's a part of it too. And it was this year for the state of the state. And I don't, you know, I think we should talk about the state of the state after the break. I would like to talk about legislative priorities before I jump into that. But during the state of the state, we were actually all asked to turn our cameras off. And I don't know if it was a bandwidth thing. We don't usually do that. Usually all of our cameras on. We're all supposed to wear suits while we sit at our desks Mm -hmm. in our houses. But we were all supposed to turn our videos off for it, which made it even more sort of, you know, surreal and disconnected. It was like, why am I even... Why do I even have to show up for this? Like I could watch this stream done digger later, you know, it was, yeah, it's all very surreal. And again, very hard to like cement ourselves in the reality of what this means for Vermonters. 
And so I am super duper looking forward to being back in the real life as soon as possible. Thank you, Emily. That conversation was wonderful. And it also took a little longer than I expected. So we have just a few minutes before the end of this first part of the show. Do you want to touch on legislative priorities now or wait until after the break? Yeah, let's just sort of like do some high high level ones. So workforce development is really, really high on the list. And everyone is very, I would say that's a word like equity that means something totally different to whoever says it. And so mm-hmm. figuring out what that word actually means is going to be super duper fun. I certainly have my own opinions and my own strategies. Childcare, supporting working families, that whole, whole situation, housing, climate change, reproductive justice. We are passing two constitutional amendments this year. So exciting. Two. Yeah. We're also taking slavery out of the constitution. Oh, nice work. Right. I for Cremont for getting that one together. Mm-hmm. I, sorry, then, we that process of uh, constitutional amendments is so long. I thought we had already voted. I'm so no. sorry. Thank you for reminding me. No, it's okay. There, it is. It's very long. And that one's not quite as controversial as the reproductive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are like top line things for me. But there's like a whole lot of great criminal justice reform we're looking at. Yeah. There's some really great changes maybe to our social service system that we're talking about. Lots of fun tax stuff really looking at how we can support schools and communities better. And then, yeah, spending all that blessed ARPA money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to, to those conversations. I think what's fascinating with me in, you mentioned it with equity, but with the ARPA funds too, I think everyone agrees that it's transformative money, but what transformation we want to make and how to do it what counts as transformation also. Yeah. Mm. The other thing I want to make sure listeners understand is that this is, so we operate in a biennium structure. There's a biennium is two years. Mm -hmm. We are in the second year of the biennium. And so all of the bills that were introduced last January are still active. Right. And so I, for instance, am not introducing a single new bill, this biennium. I'm certainly signing on to other people's and I'm working on many, many bills. But I am not submitting new bills this year, though many people are. There's still so much work to do on the bills that are still circulating from last biennium. I mean, last session, excuse me. Yeah, we're defining words and now mixing them up. But so we really operate in this two-year cycle that has a break in the middle of it. But essentially, it's as if, it's almost as if like we never stopped in terms of what sort of the flow of information Mm -hmm. looks like and the flow of bills. Did you mention the people waiting study? I said we are doing lots of stuff to strengthen schools and okay. support financially. So yes, the people waiting study is one of those. Yeah. I think of that only because it's consumed so much of your off session. Indeed, it has consumed all of my off session. Yes. Well, no small to-do list. We're going to hear from some underwriters here on WVW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Here we go. the second half of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVEW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station. I'm your host, Olga Peters, and I am here with Representative Emily Kornheiser, and we are talking about the first week of the second half of the biennium of the legislative session. I have no idea how to make that sound cohesive. (laughs) 
That's it is what it is. This week, Governor Phil Scott delivered his 2022 State of the State address, and I caught it on, I believe it was either, yeah, it was Orca. I was able to watch it after it happened on Orca TV, which is similar to BCTV up in Montpelier. You got to watch it over Zoom, Emily, I believe. From my apartment in Montpelier, actually. And what did you hear from that? That's before I tell you what I heard from that, I would tell you this seems a very appropriate time before I start talking about Governor Phil Scott to say the views and opinions expressed here on the Montpelier Happy Hour are those of the hosts and the guests separately from each other and not of the radio station or their employers or wherever platform is streaming this or anything like that, just us and our own opinions and views that we are speaking. So, yes, and we have that said what I think about Governor Phil Scott's speech. I think pretty much the same thing about it that I thought about every other speech I've ever heard him give, especially the state of the state address, which is that he is incredibly disciplined in nibbling around the edges of problems. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I think if you look back on a previous Januarys that we have had this conversation, I think I might even use that same phrase. He, oh, I um, have, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I started talking about like, you know, the mouse king the other day when I was like really sort of in the in the thick of it. But really like this the state of the state throws out all of these like fairly significant problems. They are certainly not problems that are framed the way I would frame them, mm-hmm. but they're certainly issues that Vermonters grapple with. Workforce, who is our workforce, who will be our workforce. What is the workforce's experience? What is the employer's experience of the workforce? And labels it problem. Mm -hmm. Housing labels it problem. You know, all of these things. And then have these like nibbly, nibbly solutions that are like pretty much just doing what we were already doing Mm -hmm. that are not working to solve the problem and don't seem to have like a theory of change connected to them. Yeah. You know, that's like what he was elected to do, to just sort of like keep the steamship slowly moving forward while like little bits fall off of it. Mm-hmm. Not how I would lead, not how I would give a speech. He is a very, very stolid award. Yeah. Yeah. Does it mean what I think it means? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't use it. I'm not entirely clear on the definition of the word. I just came to my mind. His speeches have the same cadence throughout. They don't have high points or low points, they just continue. And I think people are into that. Mm-hmm. I, I think in the middle of a pandemic, I think a lot of people feel comforted by that, by his, yeah. he is so steady Yep. in yep. every respect, the way he holds his body, like you said, the way he delivers, like. Yeah, it is. Yep. So again, that same cadence makes it like really hard to pay attention for 45 minutes. And in addition to that, and I don't mean to be blithe here, like there's not a lot of hook there to pay attention to. It is nibbling around the edges and like the world is burning. Mm -hmm. And he, in this particular state of the state address, he basically refused to mention COVID. Mm. And so the world is burning. The world is not just burning because of COVID though it is right. Like, There are people dying everywhere. Our hospitals are full. Our schools are shutting down. People are 
terrified. We still don't really have a plan for what we're going to do about this. I don't know if it's possible to have a plan, but we should at least attempt to talk about having a plan. Mm-hmm. We can't just say like, this is how it is. And we need to continue the way we did before. And so like, that's one aspect that was just like all this stuff happening here. And I'm motioning to the side listeners mm-hmm. <laughs> and very grandly motioning to the side. And then just like sort of keep on myopically following this narrow nibbly path. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, you know, climate change. The world is actually burning, right? Like huge swaths of Colorado are burning right now or just stopped because of like epically inappropriate levels of snowfall. I've been sort of super conscious that Wyndham County is suddenly like a completely different climate zone than the rest of the state. I feel like we're about to break off. Mm. This is the first snow we've basically gotten this year, practically. I know. The rest of the state is like covered in snow and has been through the whole winter. You know, this summer we had floods, everyone else had droughts. It's really like, are we actually part of Massachusetts after all? So climate change world actually burning. The one thing that he did mention, which is sort of one of the pieces of the world burning, is he actually did talk about opioids. He didn't Mm -hmm. use the phrase opioids. He again, nibbled around the idea of opioids and talked about substance use, you know. Yeah. But I was really pleased to see that highlighted. Certainly not the transformative solutions that I would lean into, given that the solutions he suggested are solutions we've already been using and are clearly not working. But still, like he mentioned it. That's cool. That is my fairly blithe eight o'clock in the morning. I am not in House or Senate leadership. And so I'm just giving you my casual what I thought of the speech. Though I do have one very special speech highlight to share. Oh, please do. During our toast. No, okay. I'm- Oh, during our toast. Oh, that one, yes. Anyone thinking about drifting off, please come back for the toast because yeah. I've got some funny business for you. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. Well, speaking of funny, funny business, you and I had an exchange where I was trying to decide if, if the speech was a food, what food would it be? And I think I, I started with flavored corn chips and we ended with unsalted corn chips was kind of what we landed on. I think what surprised me about this speech, and I just, the reporter in me needs to say this, Governor Scott is not here. He cannot defend himself right now. I just want to acknowledge that, that we are talking without him and, and I haven't reached out to him for a comment or anything. So I just, I, the reporter in me needs to say that. Thank you. What I found fascinating is I feel like 2020 and 2021 were such unique years, especially with the pandemic and the ARPA funding and the new perspectives that many people are getting. And yet this speech felt a little bit like he pulled it out of a drawer, dusted it off. Yes. And gate like I, I was literally trying to go through some of my old records to see if if like he did he copy and paste and I'm sorry I'm, I, I'm sure the man put much more thought into it than that but it really felt like the same speech he gave before the pandemic like, it was it was I mean, his inaugural was. speeches doesn't it yeah. feel that way yeah so his inaugural speeches his speeches before the pandemic use this like same set of numbers over and over again in a way that like bored into your brain really intensely mm-hmm. to talk about workforce and population and affordability. Demograph- demographics is demographics the, and affordability the most vulnerable, right? Yep. And so that was the three things, demographics, affordability, most vulnerable. And so this speech was like just about demographics and affordability. And he actually didn't even talk about the most vulnerable this time around. He used it once. But like, usually he like really weaves weaves that one in. Yeah, he does it as a triad. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like the exact same stuff, but he 
left out, he left out the part that to me has always been like the part that he has neglected the most anyway. So that was really, and especially in the context of COVID that like, we're not highlighting the most vulnerable, right? It's just, yeah, no. Took the speech out and dusted it off and did it again. And, you know, consistency, that's like, that's been his thing. And there you go. He, also did all of these, what I thought were fairly unkind and condescending digs about politics. Yes. Yeah. About, yeah. Go, go ahead. You, I want to see if what I thought, what you picked up on, I picked up on. So there were all of these comments about, I hope we can do our work without the buzz of the election year and without being swayed by headlines and all of these things. And those are some words coming from someone who does a press conference every single week, who is incredibly, is the one in the headlines all the time, who always has his picture there. And that he's the one who's saying, don't be like buzzed by headlines and politics. And I felt, one, it gives him an excuse. He's like already setting up the narrative that if the legislature ever bothers to disagree with him, though we do have a separation of powers. It's like, in fact, how government works. You're, we're you're kind to, of supposed to disagree with him. It's how we yeah. hash things out. Yes. Yeah. If we ever disagree or, you know, God forbid, make a fuss about disagreeing, he can say, oh, they're just playing politics. And I personally, I mean, this is all personal. I even had an announcement about this is all personal. It felt profoundly gendered to me. The people we know are running for office that have already talked about running for office with the exception of one person are all really powerful women. Yeah. And so the flavor of the condescension in it and the saying, if you make a fuss that's playing politics, all feels like very much father man on high. Oh, wanting it, it felt very much be good girls and sit in the corner and yes. yeah, behave yourself. Oh, no. I'm, it's nice to hear you say that because I picked that up and I'm like, that really feels like getting patted on the head and being told to sit in the corner and be be a lady. And yeah, OK, I might have screamed at the computer. What's remarkable about it all is that and, you know, he's not the I think there's definitely this vibe in the state house of like we shouldn't let politics interfere with what we're doing. Yes, that's a very Vermont theme. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it's a confusing theme. Because we are, in fact, elected politicians. I don't even know what it means. Like, we have a Republican caucus and a Democratic caucus. And that's, in fact, how everything works. The speaker is a Democrat and she makes a motion. And that is always her counterpart for even gestural ceremonial work is the Republican minority leader. So, like, what does it mean to be doing this work in the absence of politics? There isn't any way to do it in the absence of politics. The entire structure is built on party politics, for better or for worse. And there's certainly worse mm. that I can talk about, but mm. it's people, when people use that word in that particular way, it sort of like leaves out the actual reality of the situation. Yeah. And I feel like it is, it's about striving. I too felt like he was setting up a framework and some of his digs I felt were specifically aimed at the, at the legislature you know, don't disagree with me. But I also felt he was kind of waving a a flag in front of the media saying, and don't you get too excited about anything either. Oh, (laughs) that's fun. I didn't, I love that you caught that part. At least that's how it came. Again, this is personal. That's how it came across to me. And it was 
Interesting, because yes, it felt like he was setting up that kind of get out of jail free card that if anyone disagrees with him, he can say you're playing politics. And I guess for this session, maybe that's a goal for you and I on the show, Emily, is to differentiate. I feel democracy, to a certain extent, is built on starting from a place of disagreement and hashing things through until you can find a solution that may not help everyone, but helps as many people as possible and helps the most impacted. And I feel that part of that process is disagreeing. Yeah. And maybe that's where we need, we, we can talk more about that. Like, what does it mean to disagree mm-hmm. in the spirit of problem solving? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That sounds great. Instead of just obstructionist politics, which I think is most of us would agree would probably not, you know, saying no for the sake of saying no. Yeah. And like, certainly I don't want things here to look like they do in Washington. No, no. <laughs> so we just have like five minutes left here. right? I know. Cause you speaking of the legislative session have to get to a meeting. Thank you all our listeners for tuning in. And we look forward to many more conversations this year. Emily, I know you have a juicy little toast, so I would love it if you would give it today. I do. I'm so excited about it. And for listeners who are like, where was all the policy talk that you all usually do? This felt like an hour-long gossip session. I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun for me, and I think it was fun for Olga, and I hope it was fun for all of you. A little lightness to start the new year. We will dive in deep on each of the policy issues I mentioned in passing because they're all going to be deep dives that the legislature is going to take. And so as each one gets taken up and gets a little bigger through the session, we will dive deep on it because that's what we do during the session. We have pressing topic each week. I would say we weren't quite gossiping. We were processing. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I actually don't, similar to like bringing the word politics back into a good name. Mm -hmm. I think gossiping, the word gossiping is a way that we malign a very female form of social connecting and processing. Good point. point. Thank you. It wasn't really my point. It's like from, you know, it's actually like an academic. Anyway, so Vermont Digger, which I'm sure anyone who has the energy to listen to our show also reads, which is a online paper, has this email that they send out during the session only Mm -hmm. that comes out every single day and has highlights of what happened in the legislature that day. And it's Sometimes I read things in it that I didn't know actually happened, even though I was there. And so it's super fun, even for legislatures. And it's like a little bit like there's always like a little corner like that they highlight specifically as a little corner. That's like a little bit of a gossip rag. And that's Mm -hmm. super fun. In Digger's article about the state of the state address, they had this amazing, amazing moment. It's amazing line, which is. And this is what I'm going to toast. They said, if you were to drink If you were to make a drink recipe modeled after Scott's speech, it might look something like this. And so I am going to toast to this drink, though I am not going to drink it because it doesn't sound very tasty to me. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Two ounces of workforce development talk, three quarters of an ounce of inspirational quotes on how well the state is doing despite it all, three quarters of an ounce of all the other issues, and garnish with a tease of a potential tax cut and serve over ice. So that's the cocktail we have on our plates today for the toast. I'm not drinking it. I don't even know if I'm going to toast to it, but it's a really well done, Vermont Digger. Thank you. Thank you, Digger. And thank you, Emily. Thank you, listeners. I am toasting to a new season for the happy hour. 
to a new season for the happy hour to a new legislative session Mm -hmm. thanks Olga take care everyone bye bye